Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everybody. Happy New Year. Uh, can you hear me out there? Don't know if... Uh, can we hear? Somebody give me a thumbs up if you can hear me or something. Okay, great. You can hear me. Hi, welcome, everybody. Uh, Happy New Year and welcome to the first episode of 2020, Reminiscing with Gene DiNapoli. Uh, uh, thank you. Thank you. The comments are coming in. And yes, it is my birthday today. And I'm so happy to spend it with you guys here uh, online. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what's been going on. And we are waiting for our guest of honor to click in. Oh, thank you, Anthony. Anthony, our producer, put that big banner up. Thank you so much. Wonderful. I know we have listeners all over the New York tri-state area, America, as far as Ireland with our friend Shane Devine, uh, who has promoted us. Thank you all. Thank you, everybody. This is so wonderful, uh, all the wonderful comments. Uh, right now, unfortunately, our guest of honor has not signed on yet. Uh, but So we're going to talk a little bit about what's been going on. So thank you, cousin. Uh, today I turn uh, the speed limit 55 and I could now 
move into an assisted living facility, uh, which we're not going to, not yet. But uh, for those of you that have been with us for the past uh, three or four months on uh, this uh, podcast, I want to let you know we can also be heard on ItalianAmericanRadio.com. And we just found out that we are also on Spotify. So if you have Spotify, you could type in my name and pull up uh, one or two of the uh, episodes. Thank you, Carrie. Uh, Carrie likes my shirt. Wonderful. Uh, Carrie, I can't even grab it now. Carrie uh, Gambino Corvino gave me a beautiful uh, gift for my birthday. She actually gave me an Elvis Mr. Potato Head. Uh, I'm going to try to get it before uh, the end of the show and show everybody. So uh, we are uh, we are live now, and we want to talk about uh, our sponsors. Now, what I was doing every week was I was talking about our sponsors, but I wasn't dedicating uh, enough time to uh, our sponsors. So what I did now is we're going to speak about one sponsor per week, but... Um, you could go on our page, Reminiscing with Gene DiNapoli, and see all of our sponsors uh, under the Offers page. And right now, we want to talk about one of our main sponsors. Anthony, if you could please bring up. Thank you, Rick Lindsay. Dream Destinations Travel. So, Cruise Planners Dream Destinations Travel specializes in individual and group travel. On land or at sea. They have the largest and latest offers and sales offered by any inventory of any vendor. And now, if you mention our podcast, you'll receive a special offer. Any Norwegian cruise of seven nights or longer with a balcony or higher cabin for 2021 or 2022, they will match your 250 deposit, so it's 500 and if you book three cabins or more, it is $500 that goes to the lead cabin. To see more about that offer, go to www.sundrenchedcruises.com for more info. And tell them you saw it here on the Gene DiNapoli podcast. So see our friends. Thank you. Thank you. They are the best. They are the best. Yes, Marianne, I enjoyed my day. My ribs are fine, Pete. Thank you so much. Yes, had a great time. We did a show on New Year's Eve uh, in a restaurant. We had a packed house with everything going on. Uh, so uh, my guest tonight uh, hopefully is still going to be Elvis Presley's stepbrother. In 1960, Elvis's father, Vernon, married a lady named Dee. And she had three boys, Ricky, David, and Billy. And they became Elvis's brothers. He didn't call them stepbrothers. Elvis's brothers for 17 years. And we had asked Billy Stanley to be our guest tonight. And he so graciously agreed. But we believe we're having some technical difficulties uh, with that. So what we're going to do right now, being that it's Elvis month, see my Elvis shirt. We're going to go through my career for a little bit and show you some of the Elvis people I had the pleasure of meeting and performing with and tell you a few stories 
Uh, hi, Mary from North Carolina. Thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you'll like the show well enough, even without Billy, that you'll stick with us for the next 45 minutes or an hour. So right now, uh, we're going to talk about some people in the Elvis world I've met. Hopefully you find my stories a little interesting. So Anthony, why don't you put up the first picture? Okay, for those of you in the know, uh, the guy on the left is me about 100 pounds ago. <laughs> uh, and the guy next to me, the well-dressed gentleman, is none other than Rock and Roll Hall of Famer guitarist Mr. James Burton. Now, James was a guitar player from Shreveport, Louisiana, who found fame with Ricky Nelson. James plays all the licks on Ricky Nelson's hit songs, then became a studio musician, and in 1969, uh, headed up Elvis's band when he made his comeback in Las Vegas. So that was one of uh, the great gentlemen I got to meet. Uh, Happy New Year, Grand Slam. Thank you, Ethel. Yeah, I love my shirt, too. I'm surprised it still fits after uh, the COVID diet, which is eat everything in the world. Uh, how many people have been on the COVID diet, ladies and gentlemen? Raise your hand if you've been on the COVID diet, which means you can eat whatever you want. Great, great. If you have any questions uh, for me or for our guest when he finally gets in here, please put it in the comments and we'd love to answer them. Next picture, Anthony. Ah, this was my friend. This was Joe Esposito, who was one of the few Italians in Elvis's group. Uh, yes, I see. Oh, thank you, Rick. Thank you, CL. So I met Joe a few times and we got pretty close because him being from Chicago and me being from New York. Keep that picture up there, Anthony, please. Yeah. Uh, this was at a festival in Indiana. I'm going to tell you a little story. It was right after my wife Paulette and I got married and I had a few extra dollars because of, uh, of the wedding. And I said to my wife, I really wanted to buy something one of a kind or really personal. Um, so I went to this one vendor and I said, do you have anything uh, that belonged to Elvis Presley? And he said, well, I don't have anything that belonged to Elvis, but I got a really cool ring. So he showed me this ring and the ring said, thank you, Grace. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Mara. Uh, he said this ring, although it didn't belong to Elvis, was given out to reporters when they wanted people to come to Elvis's shows in Las Vegas and review the show. And I said, really? He said, yeah, they used to give out gifts and the guy wanted $5,000 for it. And it was a gold ring with some uh, insignia on it. So I went over to Joe Esposito and I said, Joe, you got a minute? He said, yeah, Gene, what's up? And I says, Joe, uh, this guy's trying to sell me a ring and... Uh, he says, you used to give out gifts to the newspaper people to come and uh, review Elvis's show. And he said, we had to give gifts to get reviewed. He said, so he says, bring me to the guy. Uh, so he brings me over to the guy and he says, uh, he, uh, let me see that ring. And he goes, I don't know where you got this from, but Elvis Presley never had to give any gifts in order for people to review his shows. And he told the guy, he said, if I catch you selling this ring, the Chicago Italian in me is going to show up. So Joe Esposito, who was a friend of mine, uh, a very great guy, saved me from spending $5,000 and the embarrassment of buying something that was not uh, 
original. Thank you so much, everybody. So happy. Welcome to my birthday show. And ladies and gentlemen, please, will you welcome in my guest for tonight? This is my birthday present to me, Mr. Billy Stanley, ladies and gentlemen, Elvis Presley's brother. Happy birthday to you. Right, you're on, you're on mute, Billy. What? You're on mute. Can't hear you. Okay, how do I unmute? Uh, let's see, Mike. Can we hear him? Now you're on mute. Okay, now I'm off. <laughs> can you hear him? Can you hear me at all? You can hear him, Anthony? Okay, give me one second. Let's get this back out here. We're going to try to figure this out. Speakers. Hello? Nobody. We had this all figured out, Billy, and now I screwed it all up. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Billy, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, I got you. Hi, Billy. Hey, Gene. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Gene. Happy birthday to you. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. But I got to tell you, Billy, you're a great singer, but you're not like another guy from Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, no, no. I don't, I don't claim to be either. <laughs> Billy, I got to tell you, uh, I did speak to a few people and they told me that you do not do these sort of things. No. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for giving me one of the best birthday presents I could ever get. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thank you. You know, one time, uh, Myrna Smith, uh, Kathy Westmoreland showed up at my house wow. uh, with, with another friend of mine who did Elvis, who she knew from California. And when I opened the door, she sang happy birthday to me. So you are neck and neck. With Kathy Westmoreland. <laughs> we're good. That's good company to be with. Right? I, I, think, I think so. So, Billy, I got to tell you, man, you know, we've done nothing but doo-wop uh, and oldies and some actors for the right. past. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all all the mundane stuff that is why i'm such a big fan of chumba casino chumba casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little actually a lot so sign up now at chumbacasino.com that's chumbacasino.com no purchase necessary btw void were prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus months but being this is elvis's month i did the whole month and um when i saw you on facebook I said to my wife, I'm going to go for broke. Uh, what's the worst Billy could say to me? No. And you were so gracious. And you said, you know, I, I never did this, but we'll roll the dice. So um, normally I have a, an outline sheet of what I want to ask the performers about their songs, about the movies. You, uh, we're really going to go off the cuff here. Okay. So uh, uh, first of all, when is your birthday? Uh, January 19th. So you're a Capricorn as well. Oh yeah. So I will be calling you on January 19th. <laughs> okay. I'd sing it to you, ladies and gentlemen. Please give 
Mr. Billy Stanley, a big round of applause for his birthday. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Uh, now, Billy, you're still in the uh, Memphis area? Yeah, I moved back, uh, let's see, uh, 2000, December 2013. Uh, and uh, saw a little girl I dated back in, shortly after Elvis passed away, and she and I talked after my mom passed away, and I, I said, okay, God, I get it this time. So, <laughs> so right. we've been together, been married, and uh, living the dream now. And how long has that been? Uh, since we married. We've been yeah. married now, uh, let's see, two years. Well, congratulations. What's her name? Her name is Liz. Liz. Well, we want to thank Liz for giving us you for tonight, part of the time. Uh, so a lot of people, it's widely known that Elvis Presley was an only child. Right. Uh, and when I said, you know, Elvis's brother, of course, I got the, you know, what do you mean? What do you mean? So why do you take us back? Uh, because you were there. Uh, in 1960, when your mom D uh, married Vernon, right? Uh, that was what date again? Uh, it was July 3rd, 1960. But we had been living at my brothers and I had been living at Graceland uh, a few months before. I think we got there. Let's see, January, February, March of 1960. Shortly when when Elvis came home from the army is when we got there. Shortly after he did, and then because uh, I remember when. My mom, when Vernon and my mom went to go get married, Elvis was our babysitter. So, so you know, they left us with him, and uh, you know, we was at the fairgrounds every night riding the rides. Okay, so so yeah, let me back, let me backtrack a second. Now, when yeah. your mom married Vernon, you were how old? I was seven years old at the time, and you were the middle child, right? No, I'm the oldest. You're the oldest, and then there's David. No, Rick, Ricky, Rick, Ricky. God bless his soul. Uh, we lost Ricky a few years ago, and we want to dedicate tonight's show to the memory of your brother as well. Well, uh, you know, another thing, a close friend of ours that um, named Cindy Younger, she was she passed away today. No, she was uh, she was one of the friends that got to hang out with Elvis, and Elvis really liked her. He liked her sense of humor because she. She, you know, she would uh, say stuff to Elvis that nobody else would, you know. She's like one time she shared this story. She said, uh, Elvis, do you ever just kind of sit around and go, man, I'm the king of the whole world? And he's he just laughed out loud and said no. And she said, well, maybe you ought to. Yeah. <laughs> and he thought that was the funniest thing. Yeah. Nobody, you know, she just, I mean, she had a sense of humor that was completely silly. So, right. I mean, unless well, you didn't we know her. It, I mean, she was a nut, but I love when her. Did she, when did Cindy pass? Today. Well, we want to also co-dedicate tonight's show to Cindy. Thank you. Uh, so, so uh, topping on that subject, Elvis liked when people did not treat him other than a human being. Right. So Cindy must have liked, Elvis must have liked when Cindy came back and said things like that. Yeah, well... All the friends that I had growing up, got, you know, most of them got to meet Elvis. And, I mean, it wasn't like my brothers and I weren't stupid. We knew when people were just hanging out with us just because of who we were. Mm. But these these people were lifelong friends, and they would get to meet Elvis. And when they met him, it was no big deal. It was just like, oh, that's just Billy, Ricky, and David's older brother. That's all they, they were to him. He was to them. Right. I mean, they knew who he was. Don't get me wrong, but they didn't seem like everybody else. They saw him like me and Ricky and David did. Right. You know, I mean, that, see, that's the difference between me, Ricky, and David, and except and maybe Billy Smith. 
we knew we didn't know Elvis the superstar. We knew Elvis as a man. You know, I mean, so you're going to tell me young when we came into his life to understand what he was or who he wait, was. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So you're seven years old and Ricky is five, six, six. And David was four. Now you're going to tell me that you moved into Graceland. Right. And you thought this person was a mailman or is, or, or, or a banker. Now we didn't know what he did. I mean, on on the way to Graceland, when uh, my brothers and I were in a boarding school and then Vernon and my mom come picked us up. So on the way there, they they tried to tell us about Elvis and what he did and this stuff like this. I mean, a seven-year-old, when you say he's famous to a seven-year-old, back then, that doesn't mean anything, okay? Famous compared to what, you know? And I'll, I'll get into a story about that a little bit later. But when we got there, the first night we got there, uh, they woke us up. It was at night and said, here's your new home. And so when they woke us up, I mean, the gates opened up and Graceland was lit up. And the only thing I can equate it to was like the wonderful world of Disney back in 1960 when it come on in black and white. You see this castle and you see this little fairy flying around. That's what it looked like to me. I went, wow, this is a big house. So we go in the house. We see one of the maids and then said, uh, Elvis is downstairs waiting on you. So all of us walk downstairs down the the one where the mirrors are. We walk down that staircase and we take a right and there was a crowd of people and all we hear is a voice that says eight ball in the corner pocket and you hear the cue ball hit the ball and then everybody applauds. So I, evidently he made the shot and then it, it's like the Red Sea kind of parted. <laughs> and at the, end, at the end of the cool table was Elvis and he sees the three of my brothers and I, my mom and Vernon, he walks up and says, Daddy, what do we got here? And he said, these are your new little brothers. We were so small, he could reach down and pick all three of us up at one time and said, Daddy, always want a little brother. Now I got three. And he said, boys, we're going to have a lot of fun. And that was big, that was the first night I met him. Now, that later that night, you know, I mean, he tucked us in and uh, we did, wasn't it was no big deal. I mean, he did say, you know, we, he helped us get ready for bed. Okay, wait a minute, Billy, Billy, if you don't mind. You were living in Graceland. Yeah. Okay, what part, for those of the people that are watching us that have been to Graceland, what part would you have been living in? Like okay. when you walk into Graceland, to the right is the living room. Right. To the left is the dining area. Right. So where straight would, back. Straight back. Was, yeah, the straight back that was his mother's room. Yes. That's where me, Ricky, and David stayed. Until we there was an apartment built later on I mean, being built when we moved there, which was the three car garage over on if you was looking at Graceland, if you look over to the left, right that's where the three car garage was and they built that into an apartment. That's where we moved. But see, Grandma Presley hadn't moved in by at that time. So me, Ricky and David stayed in that room. Mm. So he tucked us in and <laughs> The next thing we know, it's morning, and he's he's running there. Come on, boys, we gotta go, we gotta go. And we didn't know what was going on. It kind of scared us, like, okay. So we was trying to get out of our pajamas and get changed. He said, "You don't have time for that." So he took David and put David up on his shoulders and grabbed me and Rick by the hands, and we we ran to the backyard. When we got to the backyard, there was three of every toy you can think of. Elvis had a store opened up that night, 
and went shopping for me, Ricky, and Dave. And I looked at Buddy and like, this guy Santa Claus. <laughs> That's yeah. all I could think. Because I was looking at the toys and I said, whose are those? And he said, they're yours. And I mean, now, my brothers and I were military brats. And so right. I, I looked at him and said, can we play with them? He said, yes, they're yours. Go play with them. So the three of us took off and he'd come over and we, wow, we'd say, we'd say, look at this, look at this, you know, and then we, you know, I was looking at the bike he got me and it had training wheels on it. He said, don't you like it? I said, yeah, but I don't need training wheels. He said, okay, little man, we'll take the training wheels off. <laughs> so we took the training wheels off and he, he now you got to imagine Elvis running along behind me. And I'm on the bike and I'm hearing this guy behind me, you got it, you got it. And I kept looking around. He said, don't look at me, just keep looking forward. <laughs> so, you know, but that's how we spent the day that day. Just Elvis so he was in the backyard. He automatically became a big brother. That that very minute. Just that minute. That minute. Okay. And then, uh, you know, there was, it, it was, and, and I still, we still didn't know who he was. I, I mean, I was going to school in the first grade. Now I was going to school in a pink Cadillac. So they, my parents always said, always come to the pink Cadillac. That's, that's your car that you need to go to when you get picked up. And I said, okay. One day I come out and there's a crowd of people all the way, all the way around the car. I went, what is this? So I walk up and Elvis sees me and he said, Hey Billy, he opens, reaches over and opens the door and I get in. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm signing autographs. I said, what's an autograph? Now, you got to remember, I'm only seven years old in the first grade. I hadn't learned that word yet. Okay. I said, so what's an autograph? He said, that's when you write your name on a piece of paper. And I'm looking at all the teachers and students and the parents are all around the car looking and go, you know, just sticking paper in. And he Elvis said, would any of you like to have my little brother's autograph? And some of the girls squealed, yeah, yeah, you know, so... <laughs> I reach my book bag and I pull out a red crown. Now I'm in the first, I'm still learning how to write my name. So I write Billy in a red crown and hand it back to him, you know. <laughs> and uh, all the girls are squealing. And after a few minutes, Elvis said, okay, I'm sorry, but we need to go. I gotta get Billy home. So as we was leaving, you know, some of the girls said, if you ever need a babysitter, let us know. And he said, I will, honey, I'll give you a call. And of course they all squealed. They went nuts. So we're driving away. And I'm trying to process all this in my mind, what was just happened here. And I just said, are you famous or something? And he kind of laughed. He said, well, some people think I am. So I'm still trying to equate something. And I go, are you more famous than Mickey Mouse? And he laughed again. He said, some people think I am. <laughs> he said, I'll tell you what, I'll get daddy to show you some of the movies and play some of my records for you, you know, and that, then you'll kind of learn who I, you know, what I do for a living. I said, okay. Right, right. But growing up, I never thought it was a big deal what he did for a living because that's, he always told me it wasn't a big deal. And so I never saw the superstar. I, I worked for him later on in life and I saw all the, a lot of concerts and I saw all these movies and I saw people going nuts about him. But I didn't equate, I, I didn't see him the same way everybody else did. I saw him as just a big brother. That's all gotcha. Speaking of the movies, uh, so now you come into his life in 1960 in the summer. Right. And then in the summer of 61, you go on location with him as he's filming Follow That Dream. Right. Well, so, before uh, that, he did, a, he did a concert here in Memphis at the Ellis Auditorium. Right. 
So we went to the concert and we was up in a balcony and I'd never been to a concert before. And we were just kind of sitting with my brothers and I. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I were looking down the balcony. You know, we had, it was a theater seating, so we mm -hmm. had our own balcony. And we was just looking down at all the people. And then when Elvis came on, we heard all this screaming and everybody running toward the stage. And we didn't know what was going on. <laughs> wow. I hope they're not going to hurt him, you know, and that's because we didn't know what was going on. Right. And so after the show, we went back to Graceland. And after Elvis talks to everybody at Graceland, he sees me, Ricky and David sitting there. He comes over and said, what'd you boys think? And then we just said, why did everybody scream and yell at you? He said, well, that, that's how some people show they love you. We, okay. And, wow. You know, I mean, we, we started getting introduced about the with the fans at an early age because there was one story. I mean, if I'm going too fast here. No, no, listen, Billy, I got a feeling we're not going to end on an hour. Okay. This is this is a birthday gift. We're going as long as you want to talk. Brother, I'm here as long as you want to keep talking. So we were outside playing a few times, and we'd see people in the trees. So uh, we'd go back in and tell, oh, there's people in the trees that want to see you. And he started laughing. He said, tree people? And he, I, he, yeah, there's people in the trees. So. <laughs> He said, I got to see this. So we, you know, we take him out to back and, the, you know, there'd be trees along uh, the back of Graceland a lot where the fence is. And the fans would get up there and they would see my brothers and I play and they would say, hey, kid, come here. We'd go over and they'd say, what are you doing here? I said, we live here. Well, who are you? I'm Billy. That's all. <laughs> Is Elvis home? I said, yeah. If he was home, I'd say yes. If he wasn't, I'd say no. And then they said, well, go get him. You know, okay. I'm still young, stupid. I didn't know. I said, okay. So I walk in and there's people in the trees want to see you. So <laughs> he come walking out to see the tree people. And he would sit there and introduce us, say, yeah, this is my little brother, Billy and Rick and David. And, you know, yeah, they live here. And uh, he'd sign autographs and talk to the fans for a while. And so what, there was the first time that happened, we was walking away. I said, well, why are these people hanging around the trees? He said, you know, they love me. They just want to meet me. And he said, do you know how much you love me? I said, yes, sir. He said, well, that's how they love me, too. And I went, okay. He said, so what should you do? I said, I love them back. So that's when my 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 love for the fans started in 1960 also. Mm. So. That's, that's wonderful. So uh, that's why I always treat the fans with the utmost respect. If it means going in and out of the way for them, I'll be glad to do it. I mean, if, if they, somebody's got a question about Elvis, they want to, 
I'll be glad to answer. I, I know on Facebook, I know on Facebook, you are so forthcoming with all the answers and the questions, but I thought it was a great thing that people could actually see you and see the sincerity in your eyes and your face when you answer these questions, because a lot of people pass judgment on people without knowing them. Uh, so I, I think mean, that, that comes, that comes with the territory, you know, right. I mean, they just don't know me. You know what I mean? That, that's the way I look at it is, okay, it, it, if you take just a few minutes to sit and talk to me, uh, I might be able to change your mind. I'm not this demon or whatever you may have heard right. somebody else say I was. I'm not that way. I mean, I mean yeah. I, I'm, I'm nice to everybody. I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in what Elvis taught me is treat people the way you want to be treated. And so that's what I do in life. Absolutely. You know, I had a similar story when I met Sonny West. Of course, Sonny was involved with a, a very damaging book. Uh, but what he said, he was telling the truth. So how it's perceived is how it's perceived. So I, at first, I didn't talk to Sonny uh, nicely. You know, being an Italian from New York, I told Sonny, if you were in the real mafia and you wrote a book about your boss, you'd wind up in the back of a Cadillac right. in the trunk. And then the next day, me and Sonny had a five-hour conversation. And I said, you know, Sonny, I still don't like what you did, but I understand it. So, you know, not everybody has to like what you do. But if they take the time to explain it, then you could see where that person is coming from. Right. Well, uh, I mean, trust me, I love Red, Red Sonny, and Dave Heather and all those guys. I mean, everybody that worked for Elvis was kind of like an uncle to me. You know, I mean, Elvis being the big brother, well, the rest of them was kind of like, I call them uncles, but right. I treated them like family. Right. Um, because I talked to Sonny shortly after that came that book came out, too, because Sonny was probably one of, you know, my, one of my favorites that worked for Elvis. I thought he was cool because he was really a biker and all this stuff. And, you know, that's, right. I was really into that when I was growing right. up. So I talked to Sonny and Sonny said, Billy, you know, you know, those publishers took a lot of liberties with the book. I said, Sonny, I only read a little bit, and I know what you mean. Yeah, I know they did that. He said, I'm really sorry. And I said, Sonny, you know, you don't have to apologize to me. You know, I know Elvis had already, because he read the book before it actually came out. Right. He, he had already forgiven them before it even came out. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, if Elvis is big enough and kind enough to forgive you, I can too. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And a lot of the fans should listen to that reasoning and live their life the same way. Because right. if the man that they disparaged forgave them, who are they right. to, to, do, to, to, to disparage them? Now, you sent me a couple of great pictures. I want to get to these stories, Billy, sure. if you don't mind. Anthony, put up picture number one. Now, this is you and your brothers on the set of Follow That Dream. Yeah, that's, Which, that's that's me standing next to I me mean, in front of my mom and Vernon and Elvis, and that's Rick standing in front of me. So Ricky had shock white hair. Yes. Great. Yeah. Great. Yeah, now, was this the was the first time you were on location? Yeah, that was the first location, first time we'd ever seen a movie being made. And uh, it was fun because, it, I mean, it was fun because Ann Helm, which was Elvis's co-star in the movie, was throwing frisbee with us during, in, in between takes. That's where I learned how was learning how to throw a frisbee. They had just come out in 1960 or 61, right. so I thought it was a neat toy. And she was out there teaching us how to throw it. But we thought wow. she was great because she was playing with us, and you know she's neat. That's all we could say. And 
Elvis said, yeah, I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, you knew Elvis for about a year at this point. Oh, yeah. And, and you knew him as a jokester and a, and a fun guy and right. a comical guy. Right. Was there a big difference between Elvis at home and Elvis on the set doing movies? Was now, he a real... Elvis was always the same no matter where he was. I mean, he didn't care. You know, I mean, he was there. It was always like this. He's going to have fun no matter what he's doing. Even when he was on stage... You know, a lot of the fans would kind of be surprised at some of the things he would say or jokes he would pull to pe on people on stage. Well, that was just the way Elvis was. I mean, he didn't care who saw it, you know, or who heard it. Okay, you know, if you can't, well, you know, you know what you New Yorkers say if you can't take a joke, right? So yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah, and, and we're gonna, was, and we're, gonna you know, we're gonna leave it. We're gonna leave it at that. Yeah. Okay, I mean, we can't. He, I mean, that's the way he was. I mean, he loved to kid around with everybody. You know, have fun. That's what life was all about. Right. And speaking about fun, Anthony, put up picture number two. Tell us about this. Uh, snowball fights? Yeah, well, there you see Elvis with a shovel. We were building a snowman. And that's me running behind him because one of the guys, I think it's Sonny, is making a snowball. And I'm running because he's going to throw it at me because I just hit him with one. So that's me running behind, I mean, behind Elvis. Uh, yeah, it, was, it snowed like 16 inches that year. And so Elvis just... He loved to play in the snow. So we had our, me, Ricky, and David got our sleds out. And we rode sleds all night long. Uh, we built that snowman. Uh, that, that night for dinner, he had one of the guys go out and get some uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. And we built a fire out in front of Graceland. And we sang, sat around there and sang some songs, rode sleds, and continued with our snowman until the sun come up. So wow. that, was, uh, that was a great day that day. I'd say so. I'd say so too. Yeah. Uh, picture number three. Tell us about this one because this looks a little more in the mid '60s towards uh, the later '60s. Uh, yeah. Where was this? That's on the set of Speedway. Speedway, right? Right. Yeah. Uh, that's. There's another time we went to uh, the movie set. Now, this movie set was a little bit different for me because now, in this one, I'm 14 years old. This is 1967. So I'm 14 years old, and I've got a crush on Nancy Sinatra, which she, her, her song, These Boots Are Made For Walking, had been a big, big hit. And so Elvis knew this. So they was, doing, they was filming a scene where Elvis drives the car into the pits, and when they got finished with it, the, the uh, director said, lunch break. So I see him and Nancy talk for a few minutes, and then they walk over to us. And... Uh, when they walk over to me, Ricky and David, and said, uh, we're going to go to lunch. And uh, Nancy said, would you like for me to show you some of the cars? Because Elvis knew I was really big in the cars. I said, yeah, that would be real neat. So she walked me over to the cars, and she said, you can go ahead and get in them. So I got in a couple of them. And one time I got in one, and I was sitting there, you know, I was imagining myself racing and all this, you know. And she said, well, you know, before every race, uh, the driver's got to get a good luck kiss. And I, I was sitting, I just barely heard it. And I was about to look up and she kisses me on the cheek. When she did that, I freaked out. I'm just, you know, wait till the kids hear about this back in school. <laughs> Nancy Sinatra just kissed me on the cheek. <laughs> you know, and, you know, I was just in, in awestruck. So after that, we went into the tent where everybody was eating lunch. 
And uh, Elvis looked at me and said, did you have a good time, Billy? And I said, yes. And later on, I went, oh, he put her up to this. Okay. And so, you know, yeah, I, thank you, Elvis. You know. Now, did you ever see Nancy after that? No. No, not when she came to Vegas or anything. Okay. No. That was the first uh, time I ever saw her. Right, right. How long? How long I before you did see her? You know, I'd go. Remember me? I'm right. Kissing, but sitting in the car. <laughs> how long uh, did you not wash your face uh, after that kiss? Well, my mom made me wash it that night. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to. I wanted the lipstick to stay there. You know? Now, speaking about you, see that? <laughs> speaking about your mom for a minute. I know your dad was in the service. Right. Yeah. Uh, he so was, he uh, was he military. He was lifetime. Was your mother sort of militaryish as well? Did she, did it rub off on her? She was a military wife. You know, I mean, yeah. they just they travel to every base that you know the husband goes to, and that was it. Right. I mean, by the time let's see, I was born in Yokohama, Japan. Rick was wow. born in Huntsville, Alabama. David was born in uh, Newport News, Virginia. We lived. Wow. We. We were speaking more German than we were just as much German as we were English because I was in like preschool over in Germany. Yeah, wow. I mean, we, we traveled all over the world. We lived in Orleans, France, and Bad Noheim, Germany, and Frankfurt, Germany. So we traveled pretty much all the way around the world before I was seven years old. So, how long would you stay in each place? Not very long because I never made any friends. Any, I, I'd make friends, but then we'd move. Right. So Memphis was the first place I ever put down roots. Okay. So, yeah, that's this is the first place I knew was home. And Grayson wow. was my home for right. two and a half years. Right. Now, uh, for a lot of people that don't know, Elvis Presley, one of the biggest stars of the galaxy, had a very small, intimate wedding, uh, which consisted right. of, I think, 40 or 50 people. And you were there because your family so anthony put up picture number four uh billy can you say hello to all your fans in dublin ireland for us hello everybody in dublin ireland great to see you guys have one have a pint for me there you go all right shane there you go you got your shout out hey, anthony, Jimmy, how you doing buddy picture number four anthony okay now that this was at the wedding reception at graceland my brothers and i were in school so we we didn't go to vegas for the wedding this was just at the wedding reception at graceland everybody's you know that big room that used to have all the trophies and everything in it right that room was built for a slot car track yes so uh when they had the reception they said well where can we have it and so instead of having it you know at a hotel or something like that they had it at graceland so yeah that's me ricky and that's me rick and david standing there in front of Elvis at the wedding reception Wow. And um, now you had known Priscilla as long as you were at Graceland. Right. Yeah. I was there. I was there before she got to Graceland. You were there before she got to Graceland. I was there before her and I was there after her. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I I was living there probably about, we had just about two and a half years. And then she came to Memphis. I think it was around 63 when she came to visit. And we had a house over on Hermitage. So that's where the, the what was explained to her parents is this is where she'll be staying with, you know, uh, my mom and dad and me, Rick right. and David. Uh, that lasted about a few days. And then after we <laughs> left, she was at Graceland. So right. I, hope, I hope her parents aren't watching this and 
I yeah. didn't let the secret out. <laughs> but you you didn't you weren't in control of that. So no, no, no. And I'm from what young. right, and from what we hear, uh Elvis played the king to the hilt, because when Elvis wanted something, Elvis got what he wanted. Let me tell you something. Nobody ever said no to that guy. Okay. If he wanted to turn the charm on, which I saw him do a couple, he had to do that to get me, Ricky, and David to work for him. Because my mom said, no, no, I, I want them to grow up to be doctors and lawyers. He said, why? I got those guys working for me now. So that was his reply. Right. So, you know, that's why he took us all three on the road. As I look back now, we were groomed to be part of the family business, and the family business was Elvis. Right. So uh, that that whole upbringing thing was to be okay. Once you get old enough, then you will be working for Elvis. So right. I, I, I see that now. I didn't at the time. Of course not. But your mother probably your mother probably saw it. Uh, she probably saw it. Your mother, right? We got a little sound difficulty. Uh, you hear me now? What's going on here? Should clear up any second, I think. Yeah, yeah. Can you hear me, Billy? Billy, can you hear me? Yeah. Somebody's okay. leaving me a message. They'll get, yeah. Yeah. Can you hear me? Uh, it's a friend of mine going to call and talk to me about my friend that passed away. So. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me now? It just shows me that the you know they left a message. Okay. Right. Can so you hear me now? Let's get the sound back the way it was. Yeah. Can you hear me now? I can barely hear you breaking up a little bit. Uh, I don't understand. This is so crazy. Uh, do you still speak any German? Hello? Yeah. I, I mean, I can, okay. Good. I, I can't really tell, say, hear what you're saying, but I can hear you. Right. Uh, breaking up real bad. Let's see if I. You want me to disconnect, retry to do it again? Can you hear me now? Any better now? Still can't hear you. Uh, can you bring your volume up? Volume up? Could you bring your volume up, Billy? Volume? Okay, volume? now can you hear me? Yes. Can you hear me? Okay, I can barely hear you, but I can't text. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> okay. How about now? How about now? How about now? Yeah, you can get better. Good, good. Do you still speak any German? Can you still speak any German, Billy? Hang on one second. Let me. I think it could be this. My battery's running a little bit low. Let me get my wife to bring a battery charger in here. We'll yes, please don't. Okay, Anthony, uh, let's bring up another one or two pictures of me with the Elvis celebrities. Okay? Can you do that, Anthony? Uh, that is the lovely nurse that worked for Elvis, Marion Cock. Uh, she's still with us. She wrote a great book called I Called Them Babe. And that's when me and my partner, Quentin Flagg, did the Blues Brothers at one of her charity dinners. Uh, and sitting in front of us was Sam Phillips, who uh, found Elvis. Next picture. That's Joe Gershio, who was Elvis's conductor who I met a few times that was on our cruise to Bermuda. Next shot. Ah, uh, that was the lovely Julie Parrish from uh, Paradise Hawaiian Style. We got along very famously. A lovely, lovely lady. 
Mr. So. That's Marion again. Okay, that's Myrna Smith of the Sweet Inspirations doing Shake Your Tail Feather with us on the cruise ship. That's so great. She was a lovely girl. We got we had many great nights with her. Many great nights. Next picture. That's Joe Esposito again. Joe Gershio, keep going, Anthony. James Burton, keep going, please. Keep going. Keep going. We're almost at a new one. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Good to see you. Billy, you're back. Hey, good. Yeah. Okay, good. Great. Uh, so, yeah, you were talking about putting on the charm and all that. So, yeah. Anthony, let's go to uh, picture number five. This is uh, taken from a video. Uh, Christmas yeah. time, uh, right? Yeah. This was Lisa Marie's uh, first Christmas. Uh, that's a, it's a little doll. They call it Chatty Kathy, where it would talk a little bit, but it also walk. And that's Elvis trying to hold it up. He's, he's already pulled the string. And that's me on the uh, left and David in the middle. And that's Elvis, of course. And we're watching it walk across the table. <laughs> and so Lisa was about. No. Let's see. She was born in ten months. She was almost a year old. Because almost a year old. Her first Christmas, yeah. Right, and you you know that this is from a video that's out there, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So if anybody wants to uh, see that video, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube, and we can see some live action uh, by the Stanley Brothers. Oh yeah. Uh, so let me ask you something. Uh, the first Christmas you're there, no, the first time you're there, you get all these gifts. Uh, what happened Christmas for you guys year after year after year? Uh, well, every year was the same. I mean, it, you know, we'd all gather at Graceland uh, on Christmas Eve, and then we'd eat dinner, and then we'd open, I mean, Elvis would hand out all of his presents to everybody, and he'd watch everybody open them up. Then he would open his presents. He would open them last. So, and that's how, that, that was the way it was every year. So. Right. And, was Christmas Eve a big night in Graceland, or was it Christmas Day, or was it just Christmas every... Eve was the biggest night? You know, I mean, I think we celebrated it. Yeah, I mean, uh, Christmas Day was just kind of like, uh, you know, just just a normal day. Christmas Eve is when we celebrate. Right. So, what was your favorite gift that you got from Elvis for Christmas during your growing up years? Wow, I had several. I mean, one of them was a. I was really a big James Bond geek when I was a little kid and they had this James Bond road race set. He bought me one of those. And then there was, a, there was another bicycle. Remember the ones in the sixties that had the banana seats on with the uh, ape hangers on it. You know, well, the, I, I was born in the middle sixties. So I don't remember that bike. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Schwinn had one and it had a little gear shift knob on it right there in the middle. And Elvis gave me that one year. It was blue with white, big white wall tires on it. Wow. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. And, uh, you know, he gave me a watch and he gave all kinds of stuff growing up. So, so you had the latest of every gadget probably, probably right? Yeah. And then, okay. Well, you know, of course him with being with RCA, you know, we also got TV sets and we got radios and the transistor radios, turntables and all that stuff, too. So we got all that. So what did you get Elvis Presley? 
Well, I found the first few times uh, I was really in, into making model cars. And so I'd make a model car and paint it up and give it to him, you know, put it in a box and he could pick it up. But, but before he start shaking it, which he would do, I said, don't shake it, don't shake it. <laughs> you know, okay. And then he'd act like, oh, what am I opening here? I said, you'll see. And it'd be in a shoebox. And he opened it up. And you would think I just gave him a Rolls, a brand new Rolls Royce or something. He made such a big deal out of that model car. You know, it made, made me proud and happy that I'd go up to his room and on his desk, he had that model car sitting there, you know. So uh, first few years I did that. And then when I started making money, I, I knew that he liked lions and tigers, eagles, stuff like that. Right. So anything with a lion or tiger on it, you know, he loved it, you know, a painting or a picture or. You know, so I give him stuff like that. Wow, wow, that that's that's interesting. Uh, that's interesting to see it from an insider's uh, point. Yeah, well, everybody thought it, you know, what do you buy Elvis? I mean, what, the guy that's got everything. To him, right. it wasn't. It really wasn't so much the the present. It was a thought that counted. You know, he okay. would get emotional over somebody giving him a gift. You know, he was a great giver, but he was a terrible receiver. He, he'd get emotional. I love right. this. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Yeah. Wow. Wow. That's great. Uh, now, yeah. one of my favorite pictures, Anthony, put up number six. This this picture, I, I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm, this is uh, Beverly Hills, right? Yeah. Uh, I think that if they ever were going to redo a stamp, this was the face that I would do. This yeah. this personified Elvis's Greek-like features. That was uh, in 1972. Yeah. You want you want to know the story behind it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay. I was at, I just started working for Elvis uh, maybe about two or three weeks before that photo was taken, and we flew back to L.A. Uh, to get ready for Vegas. So I'm standing outside for something and I look up at the gate and I see this guy that's, I said, all I can say was an impersonator. Cause that's right. what it was. I, and I, so I, I kind of laughed and I went, I went, I said, Elvis got to see this. So I went in there and said, Elvis, you got to see this. There's a guy out there that's trying to look like you. He said, oh, okay. I got to see this. Said, yeah. So he takes his pistol, which he carried. And I mean, there's a series of shots. That, that picture right there is when we got to the gate. And what you're seeing is me kind of sitting there with a little grin on my Oh, 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 O'Reilly. You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto parts. Because as we're walking up, I mean, in that series of pictures, you can see him, he's walking with his hand behind his back. Mm. And then he, you see him looking over at me. And what he's doing, he's, he didn't say it. He just motioned with the gun to come and get it. So I walk up behind him, take it out of his hand, and stick it. I mean, I'm standing behind him, so I stick it behind my pants and my shirt, and I'm standing there cold still down my back. I'm just, uh. 
<laughs> and he's talking to the, uh, there's some fans out there, but he's talking to this uh, Elvis, well, I guess you, they call them ETAs now. Yeah. And I guess him and Elvis talked for a little while. And Elvis walked, we, when he got finished, we walked back in. I said, what do you think about that? He said, well, they've always said, uh, what is it? Imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. And so he said, you know, if a guy wants, you know, to take the time and effort to try to look like me, he said, God bless him. Right. Right. That, you know, that's a lot true. of people say, well, he wouldn't like ETA. Yeah, he didn't, you know, he didn't dislike anybody. So, I mean, you know, anybody ever said he didn't like this or he didn't like that doesn't know what they're talking about because Elvis wasn't that way. He liked everybody. Right, right. we got a couple of questions here we want to throw sure. at you. If you don't know it, that's quite all right. Uh, were you there when Elvis and Tom Jones used to hang out? I met Tom Jones in Vegas. You know, there's a story. There's a story that Tom Jones has been chattering about that uh, he was in the shower one day and Elvis burst into his dressing room and started singing a, a song to him. Uh, so, do you know if there's any validity to that? <clears throat> that doesn't sound like Elvis, right? He wouldn't do that. Mm. Now, hey, I mean, if a guy, I mean, he really wouldn't go to anybody's dressing room. Are you kidding me? Okay. <laughs> they came to his room just exactly. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh, didn't do that. Right. He, I mean, one thing I did learn, and a lot of the entertainers learned, is you do not introduce Elvis in the middle of your show, because if you do, all the people are going to pay attention to Elvis and it's just, over. Just lost your audience. So they learned the quick way. <laughs> the last number. Oh, we'd like to introduce Elvis. You know. <laughs> so that's you know. They learned the fast way. Don't introduce they, him. They, learned, they learned by bad example, right? Yeah. Uh, one, I mean, one of the practical jokes we did pull was that when I, that summer we was when I first started working for Elvis, the Righteous Brothers were there, and they were in the middle of their show. They was in the uh, uh, Elvis was in the big showroom. They was in what they call the casino lounge, which was yes. a lot smaller. Sure. And so we heard them as we was walking by, and Elvis just kind of just follow me. And he said, everybody just follow along behind me. Don't look or do anything. Just follow me. So they were singing a song. Elvis walks across the stage and everybody that was working for Elvis was just walk, walking right behind him. And they just kind of stopped when they saw, you know, <laughs> us walking by. There goes Elvis Presley. <laughs> and we just kept going. That was it. So. And that disrupted the entire show. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> but, you know, they come back. I mean, that night, let because that was uh, right after the dinner show. So that night after their show, they came to Elvis, you know, his dressing room and said, man, you know, I was just blaming you guys. I didn't mean to dinner, disinterrupt. They said, no, would you please do it again? He's uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, tell us about the pool table in Graceland. Did you play a lot of pool? That was the first game Elvis taught my brothers and I how to play. Uh, in fact, that night, you know, uh, that's how we spent the rest of the night. Elvis teaching my brothers and I how to play pool. And the thing about Elvis, he was so competitive. Uh, like with the slot cars and the pool. I mean, my brothers and I got, we got really good at playing pool. And it'd be like a school night or something and he'd be home. And this is like in the 60s. And my mom would be calling and say, okay, the boys gotta come home. They gotta go to school. And he said, not till I beat them in a game of pool. And we just beat him every time, you know. <laughs> really? Get yeah. We 
finally he beat us and then we he let us go and that might be about three or four o'clock in the morning come on <laughs> yeah but he wouldn't let us go until he won <laughs> and he taught us well okay yep i could tell um got a great question was elvis a huggy type of guy or more shy with his family he was uh, a huggy guy he was a huggy guy he was huggy with everybody you know anytime he met a fan you know if they was close because you see him in pictures with fans all the time. He's got his arm around them. Yeah. I mean, when, I remember when I was little, I was getting a little bit older. Uh, he came home. And he was getting off the bus, and I was standing there, and I kind of reached out my hand to give him a handshake. He, what's this handshake stuff? Brothers don't do that. And he gave me a hug. Wow. Um, so that's that's what we always did when we saw each other. That's great. Uh, that's you know, you, you, a lot of times people are different with their families than they are with fans. Uh, sometimes. Hey, they have you ever seen a guy in a in a show walk by and shake hands with people and reach down and kiss the ladies in a show? No. Nobody ever did no. that. That was, was the first one to do that. You know, I mean, he did that. I mean, but that was Elvis. I mean, that's how much he loved his fans. He would do anything for them. Now, speaking about that, uh, in 1970, and that's the way it is, there's a part where Elvis jumps into the audience and walks in, in the middle of Love Me Tender. And you're seen. You're, yeah. You can be seen, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, you we guys... Were, we, had a, we had a booth that... Well, Elvis had a, a couple of booths that were right together, you know, close to center stage. Uh, basically, if you're sitting there on the stage, it was a little bit off to the right. Right. So he comes off, and it was the first time they had worked with a wireless microphone, and it didn't work. And he just said, uh, "The hell with it, I'm gonna do it anyway." So he drops the mic, just walks around, and just starts shaking hands with everybody, and you know, taking pictures, and just he makes a complete circle, and he comes back on the stage. That's when they hand him another microphone, and that's when he said, "You hear him say, okay, I'll get you guys up there in a little bit.'" Right. Yeah. So uh, let me ask you, were you there because it was being filmed or because it was as Vegas, like, because it was the middle of the summer, so you had no school. Were you always there at the openings or was this special because they were filming it? No, this was, that's where we spent our summer vacation. You know, <laughs> I mean, you're going to Vegas. I mean, in 1969, I was only 16 years old, but I wanted to go to Woodstock. And, you know, I mean, like I said, I, I really didn't know who Elvis was. I never saw him the way everybody else did. I saw him when I was, in, you know, saw the movies and I heard the records. And I only saw that one concert in 1961. I was too young to understand what it was. So in 1969, I went, no, I want to go to Woodstock. And they, no, 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 you're going to Vegas like everybody else. Oh. Mm. So I'm expecting to see nothing but a bunch of old people there. So I'm sitting there and I'm looking around and I see... Gregory Peck, Robert Steiger, and all these big stars, you know, I'm going, wow, this is going to be kind of cool. And he comes out. Me, Ricky, and David are sitting here, and my mom and dad, I think I took one breath the whole time. He had me right there at the very beginning. I just sit there, and I just went, my brothers and I just kind of looked at each other, and we went, after the show, we went backstage, and I said, now I know why they call you the king. I never, I'd seen, I've been going to concerts for quite a while now. But I'd never seen anything like that. Right. So I was like, wow. Now I right. know why they call you the king. He just kind of laughed. He said, I'm glad you liked it. I said, Elvis, I loved it. Let's, said, let's, rewind. let's rewind about a year and a half sure. to December of 1968 when Elvis's special comes on TV. Yeah. Now, 
Now, you guys were all in Graceland on December 3rd watching this, right? So from what we heard as fans. Me, Ricky, and David, and my mom and Vernon were there. We were okay. only there because, it, you know, color TV was just still coming in, but Elvis had this really nice one back over. When you first walk into Graceland, if you go to the right, you see the piano. Well, what you don't see was there used to be a big color TV set, console TV set in there. So that's where we watched it. Elvis was in L.A., and so it was two hours earlier. So he called us right afterwards and said, did you see the show? And we just said, oh, man, yeah, it was great. You know, I mean, but here again, it wasn't like a live performance no. I mean, on TV. So, yeah, it was it was nice. I mean, you know, I, I look at, you know, later on in years after Elvis passed away, I started seeing MTV and the round and stuff like this. Elvis did that in the 60s. Right. <laughs> you know, he did that way before you guys did. So wait a minute, Billy. So you're saying that you guys were at Graceland and Elvis was in LA right. when, they, when they when they showed the show right. in December. Right. Okay, because we are all the general fans were under the assumption that he was at Graceland no, on Christmas. Okay. No, okay. Uh, he, he came he came shortly. I don't know why he was in LA. But, I mean, he, I guess for whatever reason they were there. But after it was about a, a few days later or something, they came back to me. He came to Memphis. But wow. while it was being on TV, no, he was he was in L.A. Wow. I remember he was talking. This was when my voice was starting to change. <laughs> and uh, there would be a few times when I answered, my voice is changing. He'd say, Daddy. I go, no, this is Billy. Go, <laughs> OK, can I speak to Dad? I said, sure. So when he came home, he'd go, where's Billy at? Uh, right, <laughs> talk to wow. me. Hey, Elvis, how you doing? <laughs> wow! And even the guys that work for Elvis would kid me, you know, because my yeah. voice is changing at that time. So, right. you know, but he'd always from then on. I pick up the phone. I said, "Hello." He said, "Is this Billy or Daddy?" I said, "This is Billy." He said, "Let me speak to Daddy." I said, "Okay." <laughs> See, folks, when you watch, remember this. Want to get into a conversation? That I probably didn't need to hear. So. Right. right. See, when you watch the Reminiscing with Gene DiNapoli podcast, ladies and gentlemen, you find out things that you do not know, such as Elvis was not at Graceland watching the 68 special. And we know this because we have a gentleman that was in Graceland who's going to say Elvis was not next to me. That That's fabulous. Let me ask you, did Elvis have any nicknames for you and your brothers? Oh, yeah. What was yours? Mine was Gearhead, was one of them. Uh, Gear, Gearhead? Yeah, gearhead. Because him and I had this thing about cars. You know, he, he, I love cars, and he saw that at an early age, and he always encouraged it. You know, and you know, encouraged me to you know race and stuff. And I'll tell a story about that in a little bit. Rick was mellow because he was just really cool. David was Magilla Gorilla because he was so big. He was like my dad. David was like six foot three, two hundred and thirty something pounds. Just muscle is all he was just you know even ed parker when he met david said wow they grow them big down there don't they he said, yeah so david became later on became elvis called him headhunter because that's what david was is elvis's headhunter whenever they walked through a crowd david was on the point and if anything happened he took them down so, wow wow um and he put up picture number seven now i want you to tell the people about this picture. Now, this was not in a movie theater to watch a movie. Am I correct? No. This that was, was... Muhammad Ali and um, 
smoking Joe Frazier's first fight. We went okay. to the Menis. I think it was that that may be the Ellis Auditorium. We went to go watch. It was a cable cast, and so we got tickets and we sat on the front row and we watched the fight. Ellis right. was a big boxing fan. I mean, he loved boxing, especially heavyweights. Right, of course. You know, now, who who was the guy in the front, Billy? I'll look it up at the camera. I, I don't know who that guy is. He just so he wasn't part there. of your, yeah, he wasn't he, part of your inner circle. No, just from Elvis on back, you'll see. Let's see, it's Elvis, and I see Charlie Hodge. Right. You'll see Rick there with the blonde hair. Right. Uh, Barbara Klein, which is uh, George Klein's wife. You'll right. see me with dark hair, and I got my head down. Right. Vernon standing behind me. Right. So, uh, so you're telling me that in a, in the auditorium, somebody that was not in Elvis's inner circle could get that close to Elvis at a public event. Yeah, in Memphis, the people didn't freak out like everybody thinks. People here in Memphis, when they saw Elvis, they never they didn't go running to him or anything. They just waved to him and just, "Hey, Elvis, how you doing?" He'd wave back. <laughs> this he was their native son, you know. I mean, this this was home, and they they let him have his privacy here. They didn't care, you know. I mean, right. hey, Elvis, you know. Now, if they were close enough, he might walk over and talk to them. I mean, I saw him do. He, he did that a lot, you know. If he saw somebody and he make eye contact, he'd always say hi, and I do that. I mean, I remember going to New York the first time. <laughs> People said, don't do that. I said, why? I said, that's the way I was raised. That's what we do in the South. You know, because I see people in New York, and if I see them walking down the road, how you doing? They look at me like I'm some kind of nut, you know? Like, right. I don't care what you think. I'm, you know, if I make eye contact, I'm going to say hi. That was the same way, but he at least walk over and talk to somebody, you know, hey, how you doing? He introduce himself, you know, and he'd, he'd get them to talking about what they do because they always say, well, I know who you are, you know, what you do for a living. And he said, yeah, what I do for a living is not that important. He said, then what do you do? And then he'd get down. But when he got finished talking to him, you would think that person thought they had the best job in the whole world because those just said, you, you, what you do is important. What I do is not. So that's the way he was. Uh, speaking on that comment, were you there when Elvis received the JC's award in yeah. Memphis? So uh, from what we had heard, Elvis was awestruck of these other recipients uh, such as the guy that worked for the White House and the guy that was a cancer researcher and the press secretary. Was Elvis really in awe of these people? Uh, he that could, he couldn't believe his name was being mentioned with those that group of men. Now, was he an awestruck? No. No. He, he just couldn't believe he was receiving that type of award because he was just an entertainer. That's all he was. That's what he said. I'm just an entertainer. What I what I think and believe is, you know, shouldn't influence anybody. Of course, you know, way they entertainers are today, you know. They, yes. But that Elvis didn't think that that was a big deal. He just couldn't believe. I mean, because nobody intimidated him. Because when he met Nixon, I was, you know, I asked him. I said, "So what was that like?" He said, "Well, it was kind of funny." He said, "You know, I stood there and talked to him for a little bit, and I saw a painting of George Washington, so I kind of went over and looked at it." I said, yeah. He said, then Nixon walked up and he, I said, really? Yes. He said, he talked to Nixon. He said, he dressed kind of funny, doesn't he? And uh, President Nixon looked at Elvis and said, well, people say, some people could say the same thing about you. He said, hey, you got your show to run. I got my show to run. 
And that was, I said, you said that's the president. Next thing he said, yeah, nobody's scared of Elvis, okay? Right. I mean, right. I mean, now there was a few people, Liz and I were talking about this the other day, like Roy Orbison, he said he would never follow that guy on stage. Mm. That, that was the only person, him and Mario Lotza. He just thought right. that guy was, you know. Right, right. Lonza. My wife had to correct me. Thank <laughs> uh, you, Liz. Said, Thank you. Yeah, he said, uh, Thank you, Liz. I asked this question once of uh, Joe Esposito, sure. and I really, I was amazed at the answers I got. So when you were with Elvis in Vegas and on tour, what entertainer came to see Elvis that you were blown away with? Not, not thinking they entertainers, sports, whatever it was, what famous person came to see Elvis that you would not have expected there? Do you have any special memories of that? Well, Rod Steiger was one. Gregory Peck, John Wayne. Um, John Wayne came to see Elvis Presley. Yeah, in Vegas. Yeah. Okay, put a rumor to rest. Was John Wayne at the funeral? No. Was Bill Murray at the funeral? Bill, the, the comedian. Yeah, there's a picture going around of him on the grounds of Graceland in a suit. He was hot on Saturday Night Live, and he said he went to Elvis's. Funeral. I didn't know who he was, and I, I mean, I was at the funeral, I, but I wasn't looking for anybody at the funeral. Okay, I, I was too grief stricken. Right. <laughs> okay. okay. You know, right. I'm sorry. Who could have been there? But right. I, I know if John Wayne would have been there, I'd have seen him. Right. Okay. But, you know. Now, right. as far as Bill, I didn't know who Bill Murray was at that time. I probably did, but I mean, I wasn't okay. looking for him because uh, Joe Esposito told me that the the, the most obscure person was uh, Julius Irving, the basketball player. Yeah. And uh, Elvis didn't know basketball very much. And they said... We called it round ball. Right, Uh, round ball. He was more into football, but, you know, he wasn't really into round ball. But uh, he went backstage and he said to Joe, well, what does he do? He said, well, he's like you in basketball. And Elvis went out there and gave uh, Dr. J an incredible introduction that he thought he knew about basketball. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, he admired people for their achievements. You know, I yeah. mean, you know, he was, he was like that. But, you know, I mean, when you're growing up in Graceland, you wanted to go to Woodstock. So obviously you were into the music of the day. Oh yeah. Uh, what did Elvis think of the music of the late sixties, early seventies? He loved uh, it. He loved it. Yeah, uh, well, <clears throat> there was a a few times that my brothers and I we we'd be playing stuff that you know like Led Zeppelin or you know the Who, Beatles, and uh, like uh, Steamroller Blues. He'd never heard that song, but he never he didn't even know who James Taylor was. But we, me and Rick and David, we had the album. We played it. And he went, "Wow, what is that?" We said, that's James Taylor. And he got upset. I mean, I didn't know this until after Elvis passed away that some of the guys would get checks or get paid for pitching a song to Elvis. And if he recorded it, they'd get paid for it. But, I mean, there was one time we was playing some Eric Clapton stuff for him, and he just said, how come I'm not getting – he just said, stopped it and said, why am I not getting music like this? He got mad. And my brothers died, and we didn't understand what he was talking about. What do you mean? We play this stuff all the time. 
He said, I'm not talking about to you. I'm talking about to some of these guys here. I'm, oh, okay. So it wasn't us he was talking to. Right. But, you know, he, he you know, he just, how could he, he, I mean, that's why he did Steamroller Blues and something by, you know, uh, oh, oh, man. Never been the same. George Harrison, you know, uh, and yesterday by Paul McCartney, you know, I mean, he, he admired him, you know, he liked him. I remember when they first came out, he told me a story. He said, yeah, when they first came to the States, he said, I sent them Western outfits with guns. I said, what do you, you sent them Western outfits with guns? Why? He said, Billy, it's like the old gunslinger days back in the West. He said, they always keep thing, bringing in these guys that think they're faster and better than me, and I always take care of them. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll just... <laughs> That's great. That's great. Yeah. Uh, are you still, you're still, are you tired yet, Billy? Are you good, you're good to go? I'm okay. You know. right. So 1972, Elvis plays my hometown, Madison Square Garden. Yeah. And in the press conference, he goes and makes a statement that he couldn't find any good rock songs anymore. But he had already recorded Burning Love and was doing it in the previous tour. So where did that statement come from? Because we had heard that Elvis didn't want to do rock songs. He wanted to do melancholy, dramatic love songs. And then he kept pushing the rock songs away. So how could he say he wasn't getting them when he did record? Well, what did I say a few minutes ago? That those guys weren't bringing him the right stuff. The only time he heard the good stuff was when me, Ricky, and David would play something for him. I mean, we'd be down in the basement. Like, he never did do this song, but I mean, this is an example of. I was playing Leonard Skinner and I was playing Freebird. I'd just seen him in concert. And uh, so I was downstairs and I had a date with me and I had, I had Freebird kind of cranked up a little loud, probably a little bit louder than it should be. So I'm sitting there playing air guitar and I see Elvis. He comes down the stairs and looks over and he, I stopped and I said, Hey Elvis. And the girl who was with me said, you're not going to get me with that one. And that's when Elvis said, Hey Billy. And she turns around. <laughs> she was freaked out. You know, Elvis is down there. He said, well, I walk over and turn it down a little bit. And he said, who is that you're playing? I said, it's Leonard Skinner. He said, what's the name of the song? I said, Freebird. He said, well, play it for me again. So I played it, and I gave him the album cover. He was looking at it, Leonard Skinner, pronounced Leonard Skinner. Okay. So uh, during the song, you know, after the song was over, he said, play it for me one more time. Now, this got me because I was going, okay, he doesn't normally do this unless he likes the song. So he, I played it for him again. After the song, he said, you know, you're going to hear a lot about these guys. They're going to be good. And then as he's walking out of the room, he sings that line, the opening line, if I leave tomorrow, will you still remember me? And every time I, I mean, I, every time I say that, when I heard him sing that right there, chills on my, I mean, chill bumps come up over me because if you had ever heard him sing that like one line right there, it totally freaked me and the girl out. She just right. went, oh my God, that guy can sing anything. I said, sweetie, this guy can sing anything he wants. You know, and it's effortless. I mean, it was just natural God-given talent. And he knew where the talent came from, God. Right. And, uh, I mean, but he could do any kind of music he wanted. I mean, and he took it seriously. I mean, you know, that's why I was getting a little upset that nobody was bringing him the good stuff. You know, what he, you know, the music that, you know, like Eric Clapton, 
Yeah. I remember meeting Eric Clapton with Elvis, you know? Where was that? Pardon me? Where was that? We was at the Memphian Theater. Uh, Eric was doing a show the next night. And so we, uh, one of the guys brought him up, said, you know, knew he was there, said, would you like to meet Elvis? And Eric said, oh, yeah. So I'm standing with Elvis, me, Ricky, and David, and a couple of guys. We're talking to Elvis before the movie starts. And he says, uh, I know you boys, I got, a, I got a surprise for you tonight. We said, oh, really? What's that? And he said, Eric Clapton's going to be here. I said, what? And he said, yeah. And it, see, he had heard, we played the whole, the, the Layla album for him when we was in Vegas in 1972. Mm. And he heard a lot of, uh, you know, that whole, uh, a lot of Clapton stuff. So we, we stand there talking. And then one of the guys comes to the door at the entrance up there where the concession stand was and motions Elvis to come up. He said, come on, let's go meet him. We, so we walk up. Me, Rick, and David follow Elvis, and the guy introduces Elvis to Eric Clapton, and my brothers and I are kind of standing around with him. And Elvis said, it's nice to meet you, Eric. He said, uh, my brother's here. He introduced us, Billy, Rick, and David. He said, they really like your work. He said, you know, I've heard a lot of your music. You know, I've heard the Layla album. And Eric's sitting there going, you know, his eyes are real big. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there going, I'm they're there Clapton right there with Elvis, you know. And uh, and here's Elvis' sense of humor. He said, after he said that, you know, Eric said, well, thank you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. I'm glad that you got to hear some of my stuff. He said, he said, yeah, he said, uh, you're pretty good. He said, but if you need any tips, I got a great guitar player named Ben Curtis. <laughs> I'm going, I put my head down. I'm going, oh, I just want to hide right there. And I mean, me, Ricky, and David, and Eric kind of just went, like it just busted his bubble right there. And then Elvis started laughing. Said, I'm just kidding we Eric. He said, no, you're great. He said, you know, I, I'd even like to have you sit in on one of my sessions sometime. And wow. Eric just went, wow. You know, wow. he just freaked out, you know. And I was on in the car riding back with Elvis. I said, man, if he sit in with a session, I can hear it now. Elvis, it'd be EC and EP. He said, what do you mean EC, EP? It'd be EP. And he, oh, okay. I, I said, I don't care who gets there as long as you get him on there. He said, I, he said, I think it'd be fun. You know, and I was, I wish something would have came of it, you know, because I mean, just think of all the musicians that would have given anything just to sit in and play on an album with Elvis. Who you know, uh, yes, you're totally correct. And I mean, no. Elvis, Elvis had a great band, don't get me wrong, but yeah. I mean, we, I mean. You got Eric Clapton or anybody else at that time, you know, right. they just say, Hey, would, would you mind sitting in with me and doing a recording a song? Right. You know, wow. You that, know, what, what the possibilities could have been, you know, a couple of minutes ago, you said that, you know, he didn't get the good songs and, and right. we know this, we know that the quality of songs were, were minimal, but can you imagine I mean, he is the biggest star to ever walk on the planet. He sold more records. What more could have Elvis accomplished by getting great? I mean, he, <laughs> he couldn't sell any more records. He couldn't do more work. Did the worldwide concert, sold out when nobody sold out. 60,000 people New Year's Eve. What more could Elvis Presley have attained? Uh, he would have gone a lot further than that. What you only, what the people only saw was just 
the tip of the iceberg of what his talent level really was. Right. I mean, if he would have been handed the dramatic film roles that he wanted to do, right. he could have done that. If he could have got the better songs, I mean, because I mean, this guy, when I talk about his music or talk about his music, his ability, one thing this guy could do is sing. I mean, he could pick up a phone book and just start singing the names, I promise you, and people would buy it because this guy had a voice. It was like an instrument. Right. And he knew it. You know, he, I mean, he, uh, one of the biggest questions was, why me? Why was, why did God pick me to be this person to sing like this? You know, he knew his ability. And I mean, when I saw it, it was just like, wow, this guy's, I mean, it was effortless. He didn't have to strain to hit a note. He'd just go, you know, give me a note. And he'd right. sing it. Right. And that's the way he was. Right. You know, I, I get uh, criticized at, at praising Elvis because, of course, I'm an Elvis fanatic. But there's no other performer or singer in history that was proficient in six or seven or eight kinds of music. And Elvis could sing anything. Uh, and people forget that. He sang country, rhythm and blues. He created rock and roll, soul, uh, rockabilly, gospel. Christmas, the, the second biggest selling Christmas artist of all time. Yeah. I mean, people don't realize the scope of his talent because if, of... If, if, if it wasn't for management, trust me, he would have gone a lot further and been a lot bigger than what he is today. And I'm not going to mention this guy's name because I don't care about him. I never yeah. have, never, never did. Like Even the first time I met him when I was seven years old, I thought he was a crook. Well, you know what? You're probably right, but I think Elvis, I didn't know him, of course. You did better than any. A lot of people. I think if Elvis felt the same way, he would have gotten rid of him. Well, uh, <clears throat> let me just tell you this. On August 14th, before Elvis passed away, he said there was going to be some major changes in that whole organization. There was going to be some people that worked for him that were going to be gone, and even some management changes. But it never came about. Never came about. Yep. Because, see, the colonel may have been good back in the 50s. But the 60s, he just, he he held Elvis back. And in the 70s, he even pulled him back even further. I mean, the satellite special, for instance. Elvis wanted to do a worldwide tour. So Parker's answer to that was, well, we'll just do a satellite thing. And you go to every country there is. But Elvis wanted to, his whole thing was being up there in front of his fans, up there in front of them. That's what he loved, is being in front of them, entertaining them, pouring out his heart and soul to them, one-on-one. That's the way he did. That's what he lived for. That was his whole reason for being. You know, I mean, I watched this guy. I mean, one of the, one thing that really touched my heart was, we was playing a show in, uh, Tucson, Arizona, and there was this little girl that was terminally ill, and Elvis heard about it before, you know, the show. So, uh, one of the guys, I think Joe, made sure that the uh, little girl and her parents had a great seat. And uh, we was about to go on, and Elvis said, "Is she sitting there?" We we was at the side of the stage, at this time, and I said, "No, not yet." He said, "I'm not going on until she's there." And then a couple minutes later, she's there, and then he goes on. 
he comes off the stage and as we're in the limo, we're leaving. He said, you know, I've played for millions of people before. He said, but tonight I played for one, that little girl. Now you're going to get me upset here. Cause that's where this guy was. He loved people. He loved his fans. So I, uh, <clears throat> yeah, you know, Billy. I don't know uh, where we could go after that. Uh, I got, I got one for you. Yeah. Uh, one time, uh, my brothers and I were down at the pool with Elvis, you know, playing with him, or just hanging out, getting the sun with him. We was trying to get him to play. He was just laying there, you know, being serious on us. So we started splashing him. I mean, I'm 20 something years old when this is happening. This is early 70s. So, you know, <laughs> we're young adults, but, you know, we come on, man, play with us. You know, we'll play some football or something in the pool, you know, if they do something. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't budge. So we kept splashing him. He finally gets up and he gets in his golf cart and drives off. Well, yeah, well I guess we made him mad, you know. And he comes back, he stops. Looks at us and we start splashing. Come on, Elvis, come on, get in the pool. And shook his head no, he backs up, drives off. He does that twice. The third time we see him, we see he's not stopping. <laughs> we, so we, we're in the pool and we're trying to move out of the way. And he drives that golf cart into the swimming pool. <laughs> 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 he, when he gets up out of the water, he comes up, shakes his head, he said, did I splash y'all that time? And we said, yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> you got us, Elvis. You got us. And, of course, Bernie comes down here and thought, you know, because you could see the splash everywhere. And uh, he thought, we, he said, it's, I'm surprised y'all didn't die of electricity, get electrocuted. It was, well, it was actually a gas, a little bit of a gas electric motor, but it was actually a, a gas motor in the golf right. cart. But, you know, he, he thought we all could have got hurt. Billy so, no, got a question. Us, you know, I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, his nickname was crazy. He right. Was, he had that little uh, bracelet that was made up, little haze made up for everybody. Right. And he had a, he had your name on the on the front, and on the back of it was your nickname. And so on his was Elvis Presley, and on the back was crazy. I mean, in the early '60s, when we go to the fairgrounds, we'd ride the roller coaster all night long. And I was a little bit afraid of heights. Still am, but he was trying to help me get over that. So he got me on the on a roller coaster with him and Anita Wood. I sat between them, and we sat in the front. So we we rode it a few times, and I, I slowly got over my fear that night. And then one time we went around, and it goes up to this big hill, and then when it gets to that hill, it makes a slow corner before it goes down the first big hill. Well, him and Billy Smith had instead of letting it come all the way down, put their knees up so the bar wouldn't go all the way down and lock. So when we get to the top of the hill, Elvis and Billy Smith jump out and stand on the railing <laughs> and wait for, you know, it, the roller coaster goes all the way around. And when we come down, the, the guy that's running the ride says, where's Elvis and Billy? And he thought, oh no, we, I, he's still out or something. And we point, all point up and Elvis and Billy Smith are standing up there waving down. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is crazy stuff. This is crazy stuff. Billy, got a question. I know the answer because you answered this, but 
What's your favorite Elvis song? My favorite Elvis song? Yeah. Uh, Ain't That Loving You Baby, the fast version. Right. Now, now you said that to me. And the funny part is that version came out after Elvis had passed away. Right. Uh, so, And that was done in like a twist beat. Uh, a more twisty. So before that came out, was Ain't That Loving You Baby still your favorite song? Well, I had heard it. I mean, before it actually was played for everybody. You heard it. Elvis, Elvis had all these things, all pretty much all of his recordings. And so I heard that version. And I mean, I, I was surprised it never came out. It, it was never put, released on, you know, because, and this was before the Beatles. Right. And I was, I mean, I heard it before them. And when they came out, it was going, that sounds a lot. Or the Beatles sound a lot like this version of this song here. I was, mm. was kind of confusing to me. I went, oh. And then when everybody started, you know, when it finally came out after, I, was, I said, yeah, that was done before the Beatles come out. And I listened to that and then listened to the Beatles early stuff. The same thing. Wow. Wow. Step ahead. <laughs> he was a step ahead. Absolutely. Yes, he was. Um, so I want to touch. I'm going to ask you something and you could tell me yes. And then back out of it later on. You think we could do part two sometime in the future with you? Anytime you want to. Because you are a, a treasure trove of, of knowledge and you're so humble that I think naysayers, that watch this tonight have got converted uh, because well, if not, just give me another chance. And when I come back, let's see if I can do it to the next show. Okay. <laughs> we will. But before we go, we want to touch on something that you do. Uh, and this is not, it's Elvis related, but it's not, it's about your race car career. Yeah. Uh, so well, please can, can you give us, uh, what you've been doing here's well here's how it all started it's like i said when uh the first thing that elvis elvis saw all three of us were dip were different and he saw my passion was one of his passions cars and fast cars didn't driving fast so he encouraged that as i look back now i mean i never i mean i never asked for i never asked elvis for anything when i was growing up i mean I saw too many people do that. And I said, I could never do that. You know, I would never do that. But he was kind of hinting toward me getting a racing career going. In fact, that was one of the last, I mean, our last conversation on August 14th. That's what we talked about was my racing career. And he always said, never give up on it. So, but he was kind of pushing me a little bit more toward formula one. He said, because, you know, he, he, it was a thing. He said, I would love to see an American name in that, with those guys that race over in Formula One over in Europe and every place. I'd love to see an American name. And I, I, yeah, I could see Billy standing on the side of one of those cars. He said, I would love to see that. So that was a passion that he and I shared. I mean, there was several driving stories. If we got time, I'll share one with you. Please do. Um, when we got first got the Dino Ferrari, uh, you know, I drove the I drove the Pantera, which I thought was really cool. I mean, you sit in that thing and you crank it up and you hear that big V8 engine sitting there right behind you. You just, man, that's good. But he got the Dino. And when it first came, brought it to town, I said, can I take it out and get a car wash for you? And he's laughing. He said, I know you're not going to wash it. He said, well, go ahead and take it for a spin. I said, okay. I took it for a spin, brought it back. I said, man, that car is awesome. He said, now let's take it for a real ride. I said, okay. 
So we take that thing, we get out, go down, uh, it was Elvis Presley Boulevard, and we get on Interstate 55 heading toward Mississippi. He said, Lambert, let me show you what this thing will really do. I mean, we're, we get this thing up to 160 miles an hour. And up ahead, we see a semi over up on the right-hand lane. That's where we were at. And so I look over at Elvis, and he's, he sees it. So he pulls over to the next lane. As soon as he does, that truck moves over there. Now there's two trucks in front of us. And we're going way too fast to slow it down that fast. So he, I just kind of look at him. He eases over on the median right there, and you can hear that gravel hitting the bottom of the car. I'm going, I'm going to die right here with Elvis. I can see the newspaper, you know, and I'm going, we're dying. We're going to die right here. And all of a sudden he eases it back up. And by this time we're doing maybe 140. Oh my looking, God. Looking over at this and I'm looking at him and he's looking at me in both our eyes like this. We just go, wow. God was with us then, wasn't he? I said, yes, he was. <laughs> he said, well, let's not tell anybody about this one. I said, I won't, I promise. <laughs> but, uh, he knew that I, there was no fear in me about going fast. You know, it didn't scare me. I love to go fast. The faster you go, the better it is. So, so how many races have you been in? I did a lot of street racing growing up. I mean, I probably shouldn't be admitting that, but I did a lot of that. And I used to take my car out to a place called Lakeland Dragster up here in Memphis. And then uh, I really wanted to get into NASCAR. And so... In the late '90s, I wanted I, I wanted to just see if I even still had any ability in me at all. So I was enrolled in a racing school, Buck Baker Racing School. So I went out and they showed us what to do, and then I, they said, "Okay, now you go out." And I did my laps. I came back in, and they didn't know who I was. I'm getting out of the car, and everybody comes up. And says, I mean, everybody, the instructors, the students. And Buck Baker walked up and said, where did you learn how to drive like that? And I said, Elvis taught me. They said, what? I said, yeah, Elvis Presley. How do you know Elvis? I said, I'm his stepbrother. They said, what? I said, you can Google my name if you want to. And you, so he tells one of the guy instructors, go in there and Google his name. He comes back. He said, he is who he says he is. He said, man, he taught you well. So we go, I get through that whole, finish that whole class. And I said, can I come back for the intermediate? He said, no. You come back for the expert class. I said, wow. what's that? He said, that's where, like, uh, he said, he said, you ever hear of a guy named Jeff Gordon? I said, yeah. He said, he went through this class. I said, okay. So I go back, I go through that class. And I said, so what do you, he get, you see, there's a picture of me holding a certificate with Buck handing it to me. He said, Billy, of all the people that's been here, you've been, you're better than anybody we've seen. Wow. This is what Elvis taught me. I mean, when I was that circle driveway at Graceland, there's a there's a picture of Elvis in a go kart. He had these racing go karts, and I was 14 years old when this happened. He'd been teaching me for several years about hitting the apex and trail braking and stuff like this in corners, and going you know driving it how to corner and how to ease off and in off and on on your throttle, not stab it, just just ease on and ease off like it's an egg up, up under your. Uh, throttle. So that's the way I drove. And so one day we, he, Joe had a stopwatch and said, let's see who's the fastest. And so everybody took their turns 
and Elvis had the fastest lap, and it comes my turn. I was the last one. I'm getting in the go go kart, and Elvis says, "Okay, show me everything I taught you." I said, "Yes, sir." So the first two laps, I can tell I'm doing pretty good because I can see Elvis pumping his fist as I go by. I go, "Yeah, yeah, come on, Billy." And so that last lap, I come by, and I mean, I was hauling. I came back up to do my stop, and I saw that big Elvis smile. He was just looking at me. <laughs> and here again, this touches my heart because anytime I could make him smile like that, made me proud. So <clears throat> I see him doing that. So I said, I got to, you know, do something special here. You know, you can't just stop. So I pull up. I'm going a little fast, and I lock up the brakes and slide it up next to him. <laughs> Show it off a little bit, you know. You know, I had control of this thing, so I just slid it up next to everybody, and they looked down like they was about to jump back, but they see I stopped perfect. And it gets, you little cocky, blank, blank, right there in front of everybody. He's laughing now. And everybody's going, Billy, that's, nobody's ever gone this fast. And Elvis gets it. And when I get out of the golf cart, I mean, go-kart, Elvis gives me a hug, said, Billy, I'm so proud of you. He said, you got it, buddy. I'll never forget that day. And on that note, Billy, hound dog racing. Because of that. Yeah, because, because of that. Elvis. I mean, that was mine and his passion that we shared together. And uh, as a, what I call a rocking and rolling tribute to Elvis, it's called hound dog racing. And I do it on iRacing. Uh, I mean, I'm a little too old to do it now. So, but I'm doing the next best thing, which is virtual racing. And people see the videos and stuff. Yeah. And they say, Billy, it looks real. I said, it is real. The only difference is when we wreck, we don't get hurt. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I'm doing pretty good in it. I win a lot of races. And, uh, you know, I, I, I got the TCB on all my cars. And, uh, you know, Wow. A lot of the guys in our racing have, you know, finally found out who I was. And I get invited to a lot of different leagues. And, you know, it, it's a lot of fun. I, I like doing the broadcast races. And, you know, I want to thank my sponsor, you know, performance distributors for, you know, sponsoring me. For, you know, they come to me. They said, you know, the guy that owns performance distributors is a big Elvis fan, Steve Davis. And he said, I, I want to be associated with this, Billy. He said, this is a dream for me, you know, to be associated on a race car with Elvis. I said, well, trust me, it's a dream come true for him, too. Wow. And me, too. So, so is Hound Dog Racing online? Is there a website where people can follow what you've done and what you're going to do? Uh, they can go to the Facebook page. Which uh, is Hound Dog, Racing. Uh, Hound Dog Racing? Hound Dog Racing on Facebook. And everybody could join it? Yeah. Anybody okay. that wants to join it can, and, you know, I'm, I tell I share my Elvis stories there, too. Right. You know, so it's it's not just a racing page; it's an Elvis fan page too. Everybody that's part of it, I call my fellow hound dogs. <laughs> so once you become, once you join that, then you're you're a fellow hound dog, which is a pretty exclusive group. So yeah, well, we want all of there, but now you're part of the hound dogs. Right, right. Well, we want all of our viewers, and we've had viewers tonight from Scotland, Ireland, or Argentina. We want all of our viewers, past and present, to go to the Hound Dog Racing page on Facebook and support this man the way that he has supported his brother. I'm not going to call him your stepbrother because he showed you the love and you showed him the love like two brothers. Exactly. So show this man the support. 
that he did, he still does, by coming here and giving us his time. Billy, thank you so much. We hope you had some fun. Absolutely, we'd love to do it again because you really opened up a lot of our minds. Uh, hopefully, you'll watch our show next week because next week we have Steve Binder. Oh, we have Steve Binder, the director of Elvis's 1968 special. Yeah. Now, Billy, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. I don't call it the comeback because Elvis never went away. <laughs> Am I right? There's a funny story for this. Uh, Elvis was signing autographs after the, it was a singer special is what it was called, right. came out. And he was signing autographs and this lady said, oh, I loved your uh, comeback special. He said, he stopped. He said, sweetie, come back. He said, come back. Hell, I never went anywhere. I've been here all along. Absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry. She said, he said, no, sweet. It's, it's okay. He gave her a hug. And he's picture taken with her, you know. But he said, yeah, come back. No, I just died laughing when he said that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. He hadn't gone anywhere. He'd been here all along, you know. It's just now they said, everybody, now he was introduced to a whole different generation when they right. did that. Right. You know, and I mean, people, I mean, even that generation started realizing, especially the ones that ever went and saw him, went, now we know why they call him the king. Because if you ever saw him live, trust me, you'll never forget it. If you ever grew up with a guy like this, you'd never forget it either. So I don't think there's anything we could say after that. I think that's a great way to end. Okay, brother. Billy, thank you very, very much from the bottom. This was the best birthday present I could ever ask for. <laughs> thank you. And thank you, Liz. I know Liz is back there. Yeah, she's he's thanking you, Liz. Uh, she's back in her room now. So Okay. All right. Play so everybody, games. please join Hound Dog Racing. Follow Billy. Uh, here, uh, she, here, she comes. here she comes again now, Gene. Okay. Let's see. Hi, Hi there. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good to see you. Happy birthday. Thank you so much. Thank you. Happy birthday to him real quick. Okay. One, Happy two, birthday to you. you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Gene. Happy birthday to you and many more. Cha-cha-cha. <laughs> Thank you. God bless you guys. Billy, I'll call you next week. We'll chit-chat. Okay, brother. You All have right? a great day. Bye-bye. Next week, Steve Binder, everybody. Be safe. Stay safe. Positive. And God bless you. And God bless America. We'll see you again. I'm going to go have some birthday cake. Good night, everybody.